Hi, I'm Pastor Corey, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that path. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. I'm also thankful for the gift of sensory adaptation. So hopefully by now you have already uh, forgotten that that smell is slightly there. Never know what the week is going to bring. And then yesterday, uh, yesterday Liz Moore, uh, one of our delegates for Orange, and myself attended the North Carolina Annual Conference. It was a called annual conference. And at that meeting, we voted to affirm 249 United Methodist churches that were seeking to disaffiliate from the United Methodist Church over issues regarding human sexuality. You may have seen this on the news, but I tell you as we gathered in that space and as we worshiped, it was, it was a time of lament. It was recognizing something that we were going through that felt in many ways like a divorce. And it grieves me deeply. Uh, that four of the congregations that I have served in my ministry are a part of those that are seeking, will no longer be a United Methodist Church. That is a third of all the United Methodist Churches in the North Carolina Annual Conference that have decided to leave. It grieves me deeply, but I'm still trusting that God is doing a new thing. And I'm thankful for congregations such as Orange that continues to seek to be a church that is focused on making disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And we do so in such a way that we help others, all people, find their place in God's story. And I'm thankful for that faithfulness and look forward to seeing what God is doing in this time to come. But I do covet your prayers as this, this lament is felt very deeply. And I, I grieve the relationships Uh, that uh, have been severed through this time. Let's go to God in prayer. Lord God Almighty, your ways are not our ways. Oftentimes, our will does not align with yours. But you are God and we are not. And so even when we do not understand, we still trust. We trust that as you are the Lord God leading us through a time of, uh, in the wilderness, that we would walk faithfully step by step following you, helping others to understand the love that you have for us. A love that was made uh, truly known through the gift of Jesus Christ. And so we offer all of our being to you, Lord, as we seek to follow you. Lord, in this time that we share together in worship, I pray that your Holy Spirit might truly fall upon us, comforting us, offering a healing balm. But Lord, may that spirit also transform the words that proceed from my mouth and as they fall upon our ears and penetrate our hearts, may they be changed into the word of God that we need to hear today as individuals and collectively as one body. Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And all of God's people said, amen. Several years ago, I had an opportunity to attend a conference. I know I've referenced this conference before, but it was a very powerful one called the Creativity in Ministry Conference. It was actually put forward by a leadership organization in partnership with people from Disney. And it was held in Orlando at a large United Methodist church there. And I went and it was amazing to hear the ways that we were being encouraged and inspired to use our God-given creativity to find new ways to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with a community in need. As we went, it was such a powerful time. I was able to be reminded of one definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And so they were encouraging us to be creative and not always keep doing the same thing, doing something new. And as they had these speakers that were a part of Disney and Disney World Parks, one of the speakers told us about how they put so much detail into everything that at nighttime they go up and touch up anything that might have had a mark uh, that needed a touch-up of paint. They go and they make sure everything's so clean. He even told us that at the Magic Kingdom, that as you are going from one world to the next, they have audio engineers that have designed it so perfectly that you stop hearing music that is themed to one world at the exact moment that you're stepping into the next and hearing that new music that fits that theme. He said, I'll never forget these words, if we put that much work into the magic kingdom. How much work should you put into God's kingdom? Oh, that stepped all over my toes. It was a powerful word, but it was so inspiring that in a couple years later, I really wanted to be able to take a team from my church to this same conference because it had really been so beneficial to me. And so I approached my staff parish relations committee and they agreed and they sponsored for three of us to be able to go to this conference once again on the, the church team. And so we bought our airfare, we paid for the conference, we went ahead and booked our hotels and paid for that. Everything was ready to go except for about two weeks before the conference, the conference got canceled. What we learned was one of the chief organizers had died unexpectedly, and so that year they canceled the conference. But there I was. Even though they refunded the, refunded the registration money, I still was stuck with airfare. I still was stuck with the hotels. And so I tried to scramble and think, what could we do instead of attending this conference? And so I pivoted really quickly and I reached out to the church that had hosted the conference the year that I went. And, and I just asked, would it be possible for a small team from my church uh, to come and to meet with your staff and to hear about the creative ways that you are engaging in ministry within your community? And so they agreed to that, and then I thought, well, we've got a few more days that were there. So I reached out to an, another friend that was a pastor down there of a young and thriving church. And so I reached out and asked if we can meet with his team. He agreed, and so we set that up, and I reached out to another church that was a large church just outside of Orlando in another community. And I reached out to their pastor, and, and, and he agreed that he would meet with us. And so I had this plan that we were going to go and hop around and meet at these different churches. And so we get to Orlando, and it was amazing. The first church we went to was the young, thriving uh, church that was, it was actually set right in uh, Orange Grove, was all around it. Oh, you get out of the car and... You can smell that citrus in the air. Oh, it was a beautiful, beautiful campus, beautiful church, and even more beautiful team that we were able to meet with. 
This was a new church that had not been in existence for very long, but they had already been reaching so many different families within that entire community. In fact, one thing that they did at this particular church is they designed a special worship service, and they held every week for people who are developmentally challenged, who have different needs. And so what happened was families all across Orlando, and you know, Orlando is a bit of a sprawl. People from all over Orlando would come to worship at a place that they truly felt welcomed. Oh, to hear the way that this church received them, oh, it was so beautiful to hear how all people could come and experience the love of Jesus Christ. The next day we met with this other church that I had reached out to and the pastor had said he would meet with us. And, and sure enough, it was just the pastor, the senior pastor. And I, I emphasize that word, senior pastor. Uh, he met with us and uh, it was a very, very affluent church. As we were driving to this church and driving through the neighborhood, looking at these mansions, mansions everywhere. And then we get to this campus and it's a beautiful church. You can tell that they are, uh, they are definitely a gifted, blessed church with generosity and when we began to meet I asked him questions about what are some of the ways that y'all interact and engage in ministry to the community how are you transforming the lives of those people around you and he said well we, we send money to this organization and we give money to this organization but but what do your people do how, how are y'all living out this generosity well we send money to this organization <laughs> They didn't get out and do anything. And I almost asked them, do you want to sponsor a church in North Carolina? <laughs> Y'all could send money to us. <laughs> I didn't do that. But honestly, as we were there, it reminded me a whole lot of that one letter that Jesus wrote to the churches in Revelation. You remember the one where he's addressing the church and he says, you're neither hot nor cold. You're lukewarm. And I want to... Sorry for this image, but Jesus said it, so I want to spew you or vomit you out. That's the way I felt at that church. I was like, I, I, I can't get away from here fast enough. It, they, they were comfortable in what they had, but what we have is temporary. They didn't seem to fully hold on to the vision of eternity. So the last church we went to, I'll, I'll name this church, St. Luke's United Methodist Church in Orlando, Florida. They, that was incredible. Their entire team spent over two hours with my team to talk with us and to share with us the ways that they, they shared in ministry together, the way that they impacted their community and made a difference. The world was a different place because of St. Luke's United Methodist Church in Orlando, because the way that they interacted with their community, I mean, they were so generous with their time with us and the pastor even took my team out for lunch and paid for it I mean it was such a gift to us and I've always been inspired by that congregation and that church and the way that they impact their community in fact this church rose uh, into national news back in 2016 some of you may recall the Pulse nightclub shooting where 50 members of the LGBTQIA community were murdered that happened about 2 o'clock at night, late on a Saturday night, early Sunday morning. But that church mobilized the very next morning. And they had a team of people there offering comfort, offering whatever help they could do to all of the victims, the first responders, those that had to be a part of this horrible, horrible 
thing. They were standing up. In fact, they even partnered with two Chick-fil-A's in the area on that Sunday. And those two Chick-fil-A's opened up and delivered fresh, hot chicken sandwiches to people there at that time. I mean, they were living, they were a living church. They were making a difference. I've always been inspired by a church that is willing to be so generous with the way that they live and interact and transform their community. Oh, I learned a lot from witnessing those three different churches. One church demonstrated such incredible hospitality. One church demonstrated generosity in the way that they gave. But another church was truly a living church that demonstrated their generosity through the way that they lived and the way that they loved. Church, the past few weeks, we've been looking at these five practices of a fruitful congregation, and we've been calling it Living Church because when we live into these five practices, we really are engaging in what it means to live as a church and not just exist, but to live as a church that makes a difference. We started off by talking about passionate worship. You know, I was a little nervous as we were going to be singing today. I almost thought to tell, encourage us all, let's sing quietly to make sure we don't wake the creatures that shall not be named. <laughs> but why? Why hold back? Let's just see what happens and lift up our voices on high to proclaim to God. Liz could testify to this yesterday as we gathered at that annual conference. The singing from the congregation was some of the most beautiful singing I think I've ever heard. Lifting up our voices. That's when we give all of ourselves in worship, when we lift it up. I know that God is glorified. I hear that here. I experience that. The radical hospitality is another one of those practices that I see lived out through you. For the way that we welcome and receive all and hope that people can find a place in God's story through our ministry together. The ways that we are intentional, we make conscious choices to work on our faith development, not just assuming that it's just going to happen by osmosis, but we intentionally work on it together through small groups, through study. The way that we live out our faith and practice through risk-taking mission and service. And this week, I saw it once again as, as we had a team of 10 volunteers that gathered out in the cold on Thursday morning to help distribute food to those who are so desperately in need. And today, our last of the five practices is extravagant generosity. God created us in God's own image. God created us in God's own image. And God is a loving and a giving God. And so we, as we're created in that image of God, we are hardwired with the capacity to be generous. It's within our nature. It's within our very being. And when we receive that generosity, we so many times want to share that with somebody else. Several years ago at church, one Sunday, a gentleman was leaving the sanctuary, and as he came up to me, I took notice of his necktie. It was a sharp, handsome necktie. I really liked it, and so I had to comment on it. I said, that is a beautiful necktie. You know what he did? He went up, he untied it, and then he handed it over to me. He gave me that necktie just because I had complimented him on it and told him I liked it. I then complimented him on his really nice car that was out in the parking lot. <laughs> Generosity has its limits, I think. 
But him giving that necktie, that, that made a mark, that, that left an imprint upon me just because I had said, I like your necktie, and he gave that to me. So a couple of weeks later, I had bought one of these goofy neckties for Christmas. You know, we all get those. Every man has at least one goofy Christmas necktie. If you don't, I've got several I can share with you. But I had bought a goofy Christmas necktie. It had a golden retriever, a bunch of golden retrievers on it, and they all had Santa Claus hats on. And so I wore that to church one Sunday. And so at the end of the service, one of the little boys in the church, as he was leaving, he came up to me and said, I really like your necktie, Pastor Adam. I remembered. And so I said, you do? And I reached up, and I took it off, and I handed it to him. And he said, what? I said, I want you to have it. He received that necktie, and he was so excited. In fact, the next Sunday, he came to church, and when a child is wearing a grown man's necktie, I can tell you, it hangs a bit low. But this boy was so proud of this necktie that he had. But you know what was even more special? He brought me a necktie from his closet, one of his own favorite ones, and he shared with me. I mean, generosity is contagious. I mean, it's in there. It's within us. We have it. Just sometimes we turn away from it. That it's there. We are made in the image of God, and God is a giving and generous God. And God has put that within us. I saw it again years ago when I was on a mission trip to downtown Atlanta to be in ministry with the hungry and the homeless. And one particular day, we were doing an event for a very impoverished neighborhood, and we were at the church that was right there in their neighborhood, and we set up a carnival. We were cooking hot dogs and hamburgers, and we had all this candy, and we set up all these games, and we went through the neighborhood, and we invited all the children in this impoverished neighborhood to come on that Saturday to be a part of this carnival that we were putting on. And they came, and they were eating, and they were playing games, and just, I do this kind of goofy thing like what we did at Trunk or Treat when a child comes up and they've got their basket or bag of candy. A lot of times, and I did it just a few weeks ago, I'd look in the basket and I'd say, oh, is that Butterfinger for me? <laughs> oh, are those Smarties for me? And I might even act like I'm reaching in to take. And so that day as we're doing the carnival, I'd say to one of the children, oh, is that for me? You know what? They reached in the bag. They gave it to me. And then another child saw that child giving me candy. So that child wanted to give me the candy. Look, I don't need candy. But they needed to give. They wanted to give. And as much as I didn't want to receive it, it was more important that they be able to give it. We, we have that. We are hardwired to generosity. We have that capacity within us. And I love this passage of scripture that I read from the book of Exodus. If I was reading it and you weren't familiar with this passage, you might have been wondering, where are we going with this? Well, I'll tell you where we're going with this. At this point in the passage, in the book of Exodus, what we have is the people of Israel have left Egypt. And they're wandering through the wilderness. And yet, as they're faced with so many different trials and difficulties... They're seeking a physical presence of God, being able to be reminded that God is always with them. And so God has heard them. And God has given Moses these instructions for building up the tabernacle. And it just so happens that as the people of Israel were leaving Egypt, the Egyptians were giving them all kinds of gold and silver, jewelry, earrings, bracelets. They were giving them all kinds of things as they, just to get them to leave. They were giving them fabrics. They were giving them spices. They were giving them uh, all kinds of glorious things. 
And they could have kept those things for themselves. But when God gave the instructions for how to build up the tabernacle, it included gold, silver, bronze, the wood, the fabrics, the spices, the oils, all these things that they had received. And so God told Moses, and Moses spoke to the people and said, All whose hearts are moved to bring these things. If your heart is stirred, if that spark of generosity is stirred within you, bring this offering. And the people wanted so much to have that physical presence of God in their midst. They wanted that tabernacle to have a visible reminder that God was always with them. So they started bringing, and they started bringing, and they started bringing. In fact, one of my favorite parts of this story is where it continues on into chapter 36 of Exodus. As he continues on, it says uh, that the people say to Moses, the people are bringing much more than enough for doing the work that the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave command And word was proclaimed throughout the camp. Listen to this. No woman or man is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. He had to tell them, stop giving. We've got enough already. You probably won't hear those words here at Orange. (laughs) We can always find use for all of the gifts. But it's so beautiful that they've got enough that he has to say, stop, that's enough. Their hearts were so generous that they kept giving and kept giving that they could not, they, they had to be told, stop. You know, they were living in to that extravagant generosity that God has placed within us. It's just sometimes we turn away from that generosity. Sometimes we get our thoughts clouded. Sometimes we turn our hearts away. As Jesus is speaking on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus informs all, uh, has so many whiz, wise statements that he includes as a part of that. But at one point in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus does, as we read just a little while ago, he touches on the way that sometimes we turn away from this heart of generosity. We look inward. Recognize that the people of Israel were originally called to be set apart, to have different rules, different laws, to dress a different way, to have their hair in a different way, to be set apart so that they were so unique and different that when they were obedient, God would pour out his blessings upon them. And then the whole world would see that God is the one true God. And so Israel was always intended to be a people of God such that it would lead others into understanding who God was. However, their intention turned and it became inward. It no longer was on that purpose of connecting people to God. It began to be more inward. And so Jesus comes, and as he's teaching, at this one point he talks about how we store up treasures here on earth that rust, that moths consume, thieves can steal. Instead, we should store up our treasures in heaven. And he talks about the way that our hearts sometimes align more with those things than God. And he says, no one can serve two masters. For if you do, you love one and hate the other, or you favor one and despise the other. And he says, he puts it pretty bluntly, no one can love both God and wealth. Recognizing that the wealth is this gift that we're then to be able to utilize, to be a part of connecting other people to Jesus Christ, helping other people come to understand the love that God has for them. I've seen that lived out through those churches. I've seen that lived out through you. The way that we devote ourselves not to us, but to one another and to all 
so that others may come to fully understand the love that Jesus Christ has. And that comes when we recognize that we are created in the image of God. And God has put that touch of generosity within us. And we are called to respond. Our response would be a reflection of the love that God has for us so that all the world would see and know that there is one true God. He demonstrated generosity through the gift of Jesus. We continue that gift of generosity when we share Jesus with the world. Let us pray. Lord, today on Christ the King Sunday, we affirm you truly are our King. You truly are our God that we serve. And I give thanks for the many ways that you have given unto us the ways that we're able to respond to such generosity. Lord, as we receive, may we ever be those who are so willing to continue to give. May we give to the point that one day every knee would bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ truly is Lord. And Lord, may you move our hearts to always be about that work that brings others into relationship with you. God, we pray these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.